Once upon a time, there was a man uh, called Schmozzle Wazzle. Schmozzle Wazzle. Schmozzle Wazzle was a lemonade maker extraordinaire. He had just the right mixture of lemon and sugar, and some more sugar. His lemonade was, oh, you would literally be falling on the ground with a sugar rush drinking his lemonade. And Schnozzle also thought, wow, I have got to market this, because if I can sell my lemonade, I'm going to make a billion dollars, because all my friends say, you make the best lemonade in the world, Schnozzle was. But he had a problem. Has anyone here ever made lemonade? <laughs> any, any of the kids ever made lemonade? Any issues you make with lemonade? What's, what's one of the problems? Too sour. Too sour, that's a problem. You need lemons. You need lemons! That's his problem! Schnozzle Wazzle had no lemons! And you need sugar as well. He didn't have much sugar. He stole all the sugar for the first batch from his mum. So he realized he needs to get some resources. So what do you do when you need money to go and buy lemons and sugar? Crowdfunding. Crowdfunding! Crowdfunding is what he would do these days. Schnozzle Wazzle wasn't quite that old yet. He, he still lived at home. He wasn't allowed his own internet account because he was 40. He's 40, yeah. <laughs> you can't say that anymore. Your kids have all left home. I'm getting married next week. Hey, we need to celebrate that as well. Anyway, Schnozzle Wazzle, he goes to his parents and he goes, Mom, Dad, I have the best idea. You know my lemonade? And go, yeah, we know your lemonade. And and he goes, it's good. He goes, yes, it's, it's drinkable. And he goes, fantastic. Money, please. And they go, oh, I want to make a business out of it. And so they give him a little bit of money and they, they say to him, Schnozzle was, well, how much money do you actually need? And he says, well, I want to make a lot of lemonade because I'm going to make a lot of money. So I think about $500. Yeah. That'll make a bit of lemonade, won't you? So they... Very trusting parents go, well, your lemonade is drinkable, $500. So he goes, goes to the shops and buys the white powder and he buys the lemons and he even steals some water from the tap and he makes it up and gets it all. He's got like a thousand bottles of lemonade there ready to pour for people as they come past. He's going to sell it at $2 a month. He's going to make his money back like there's no tomorrow. The end. <laughs> Good story. It sends. His first customer arrives. And he takes. You know what Schnozzle was that done? He used salt. He used salt. <laughs> he used salt. <laughs> $500. Well, he was supposed to pay his parents back at the end of the month. He came to his parents. End of the week, dad called me. Right, Schnozzle Wazzle! I believe you owe me $500. Anyone have any idea how he responded? Ha, 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 ha,
bank somehow. You can have a dollar from my pocket money until I'm 85. Yeah, that, that'll pay back. And more some interest. And he burst into tears. His dad looked at him and thought, you know what, you're, you're not going to pay me back this way. You can't afford to pay me back this way. Do you know what his dad said? His dad said, you know what, Schnauzel Wazel? Don't worry about it. <coughs> Schnauzel Wazel was so fortunate. His dad was so merciful to him. He was kind to him because he, his dad saw how miserable he was. And he was just like, oh, I'm not going to punish him. I'm not going to hurt him for that. I'm not going to insist he had me back. Good story. Except. Mm -hmm. Schnozzle Wazzle had a friend called Fred, who had had of his first batch that he had used sugar for. Schnozzle Wazzle had given him a free taste of a one dollar lemonade. And Schnozzle Wazzle left his dad, and as he walked out of his house, he saw Fred. <laughs> Arrest, what do you call that? That's uh, grounded. Grounding, that's right. He was grounded until 20 cents out of every pocket money to Schnauzel Wasser until he Wow. When Schnauzel Wasser's dad heard about this, he was not happy. Sorry, people behind me. He called. Schnauzelwasser and said, Schnauzelwasser, I was really kind to you. Why can't you be kind to Freddy as well? You know what? If that's the way you want to pay it, a dollar from your pocket money every week until it's paid off. Now, who thinks Schnauzelwasser was better off before he was nasty to Freddy and who thinks he was better off after? I think he was better off before. Now, the point of the story is not be kind to others, otherwise you will get punished. The point of the story is if somebody has been kind to you, that's all the more reason to be kind to others and to show them mercy. Okay, now the kids can disappear with, with Val. Uh, that is a story from Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus' characters were probably named something else. And there was no lemonade. I shall move the water. Would you like your glasses? I shall move your glasses. Right, now I'm going to trip over something. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are good to us, and I do pray that you help us to understand um, what you are saying to us. Lord, may we be the kind of people that you describe in the Beatitudes. 
Holy Spirit, speak through us. Speak not only that we would hear, but that it would strike us in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that it would hit our emotions and our thinking and our being. Holy Spirit, would you change us so that the kind of people that Jesus describes, the kind of people that that follow him would be the kind of people we are. Lord, make us more like you. Speak now, I pray. Amen. So we have been, as Glenn has said, uh, looking through the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is Matthew chapter 5. If, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open it up and have a squiz through there. Let's just quickly read. God blesses those who are poor in spirit uh, and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Um, before we move on, let's just say we said that when we speak of blessing, God blesses, it's a way of saying God praises or God approves. Um, for example, when we, we sang there, bless the Lord, O my soul, what we're really saying is, my soul, praise God. My soul say, God is fantastic. I approve of God. Not as a, I'm better than God, so I can approve of him. But, you know, he's just incredible. He is fantastic. I approve with every fiber of my being that this is the way it should be, that God is fantastic. So when, God say, when Jesus says here, God blesses, he's saying God approves. Um, before I carry on reading, let's also just say that this is not eight different groups of people that Jesus describes. He's, he's looking at eight different angles on the same group of people, uh, on Christians, on his followers. These are their character traits. So God approves of or God blesses those who are poor and realize they need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And we saw a few weeks back that, that this is a fantastic place to start because God approves of those who aren't good enough. That's what Christians are. They're people who know that they are not spiritually good enough. Um, and I don't know about you, but that is brilliant news. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. And we saw that this is mourning for the state of this world, for the brokenness of this world, for, for uh, things like death. This is mourning for sin as well in our lives. This is mourning at the state of the world and the state of my heart. And, and Jesus says God approves of it when we look at ourselves and our world realistically. And he, his approval is seen in him comforting us. In him saying, yes, things are broken, but I'm going to make it new. Yes, you are a, a sinful person, but I'm going to give you a brand new heart. And I'm starting now. Jesus carries on, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And this is saying that, that we saw a few weeks back now that, that being humble means that we don't have to stand up for our own rights. We know that we are approved of by God, that we are His children. We, we, we can put each other's needs first. We don't have to insist that you elevate me to the position where, where I am more important than you, but, but actually I own the whole earth. And so I can, I don't have to insist on my rights. I can put you first. I can be meek. <coughs> God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, we saw last week. For they will be satisfied. Those who hunger and thirst, who, who long for righteousness, who long to be godly people. And we saw last week the, the incredibleness is that God doesn't approve necessarily, well, God does approve, but what Jesus doesn't focus in on is people who are perfect, who are righteous, who are the way God is. Because we're not. That's the first beatitude. Jesus says God approves of those who realize and who long to be like God. Who long to be like God. And, 
and, and Jesus says, God approves of it so much. If you long to be like God, He shows His approval. He blesses you by satisfying you. You end up growing to be like Jesus, and one day we will be like Him completely. And then this week we come to God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What does mercy actually mean? It's not the same as pity. Um, pity is, is like, I feel sorry for you, but, but I'm not actually going to do anything with that. Perhaps we can say that mercy is a sort of unnatural compassion. It's compassion shown to someone who deserves everything that they're getting. Um, we often in Christian circles put the words mercy and grace together, but they're similar. In fact, they're very closely related, but, but they're not quite the same. Grace is loving kindness. It's a loving response when that love is undeserved. And you're going, that sounds very similar to mercy, Nick. But, but the difference is that mercy is a loving response, is loving kindness prompted by someone's misery and helplessness. Grace is about dealing with sin and guilt. Mercy is about dealing with the brokenness of this world. Mercy is about dealing with the consequences of brokenness. In the book of Exodus... God says to Moses that he heard the cries of his people, how miserable and dejected they were, and in mercy he rescued them. It was a gracious act that he rescued them. They didn't deserve it, but it was merciful because God did it hearing their desperation. The basic idea of mercy is to give help to the wretched and to relieve the miserable. Uh, Brian Wilkerson says of us Christians that we tend to see the sin rather than the consequences of the sin. We tend to spot the addiction rather than the pain that, that leads to it. We spot the inappropriate dress rather than the longing to be noticed. We spot and and judge the sexual recklessness rather than the longing to be loved. We focus in on the foul language rather than the fear of not being heard at all. Mercy doesn't ignore the sin. It doesn't ignore the issue. It's related to grace. Grace is... is uh, Showing favor to those who don't deserve it. Mercy doesn't ignore the sin, but, but it chooses to respond to the need. Mercy focuses on the need. Mercy as a, a, a theoretical concept, I hope you can agree with me, is a, is a lovely idea to show mercy to people. But it's a different thing when we actually have to implement this beatitude. Because mercy costs us. When we are merciful, we are saying that what you owe me, I will forgive and forget. I will do without. And it's not just about 
forgetting the debt. It's about forgiving it. It's uh, it, it, in the story of uh, Schnozer Wazzle's dad. He, he didn't just forget the debt, but he forgave it. He wasn't holding it in his head going, well, I'm not going to lend him money next time because you know what he did last time. You know, the thing about mercy is that I am very much in favor of receiving mercy. If I've done the wrong thing, I'm more than happy for you to forgive me and to let me off the hook. You do the wrong thing to me, though, you're, you're out of luck. I'm sorry. Well, hopefully not. But it's so much more difficult, isn't it? Because the problem with mercy is that the only kind of person you can show it to is someone who doesn't deserve it. And quite often someone who has hurt you or if you show mercy will hurt you. And we live in a world where mercy is, is shown but when the world is at its truest sense, mercy is not popular. Um, revenge is delicious. Forgiveness is tame. And we can be so like that as well. Even in Jesus' day, the religious leadership were not what you would call merciful people. The leadership in Jesus' day were, well, they stood for absolute rightness, for obeying God perfectly, which is a good thing to stand for, but, but they harshly condemned those who didn't. And they were so self-satisfied with their achievements. They thought they had it all together. The problem with that is if you think you are good enough, then you don't think you need mercy. If we are good enough, we don't need to go in tears and go, I can't pay, I can't do it, I'm not good enough. This is the second beatitude God approves, says Jesus. God blesses those who mourn, who go, I'm not good enough. The first beatitude, who say, I'm spiritually bankrupt. No, the religious leaders back in those days were like, I'm fine. God, God, you don't have to uh, forgive me anything. You don't have to do anything. I've, I've ticked all your boxes. It's done. And the problem with that attitude, if you don't think you need mercy... You never experience it, and so you don't ever want to show it to others. Mercy received is mercy shown, or at least it should be. There's a story that Jesus tells of a Pharisee, one of these religious elite, um, standing in the temple, uh, having a bit of a prayer. Going, oh God, thank you so much. I'm so brilliant, and you know, you know me, God. I'm, I'm brilliant, and thanks a lot that I'm not like that dude over there, the tax collector. He's scum. I'm good though. Thanks, God. <coughs> tax collector turns on his knees. He's weeping his eyes out. He's going, have mercy, God. I'm a sinner. I, I'm not worth it. And Jesus said, you know which one went home right with God? The one who said, have mercy. 
he realized that he needed mercy. The Pharisee didn't. When I am shown mercy, I know that I have got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And when we accept God, we accept Jesus as our Savior because we know that we are sinners. We know that our lives don't match up to God's. And we know that our only hope is in Jesus. And God is so merciful to us in so many different ways, in in little ways and big ways. I think maybe as a challenge, go home this afternoon and, and have a think of, of some of the ways that God is merciful to us. But, but one of the big ways He is merciful to us is, is how He looks at us and Ecclesiastes says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. He says there in, in chapter 3, I think we have a sense of eternity in our hearts. We, a sense that life isn't right, that, 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 that we're meant to go on forever. And I think part of God's mercy is that He looks at us and He goes, you know what? You guys are living in brokenness and wretchedness. You've got the sense that this isn't enough. And in mercy, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to send my son who's going to, who's going to die, who's going to be raised to life so that you can come and you can be with me for all eternity. It's not just a, a, a dispassionate action on God's behalf. It's not just pure logic on God's behalf. It's God saying, you guys whether you know it or not, are miserable without me. And I want what's best for you. And I'm going I'm to show you mercy and it's going to cost me so much. A person who reflects the Beatitudes is someone who is conscious of their uh, spiritual bankruptcy, who grieves it, who is humbly secure in Christ, who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, and who is merciful to the wretched because he knows himself to be wretched. Those who have really experienced God's mercy will show it to others. And when we show mercy to others, I believe Jesus says here that we show, we demonstrate that we are those who will receive God's ultimate mercy on the last day. The merciful person is the one who remembers his own sin and who remembers that God has been merciful to him and so understands that if I am weak and need help, that you are just like me, you are also weak and you are also in need of help. Now we can choose to do what Schnozzle Wazzle, if that's the name I gave him, did. We can choose to go out and say, I'm not going to be merciful. But that just proves that we haven't really understood what mercy is. It hasn't really hit home to us. Uh, the Christian person, I believe, is at a midpoint. We forgive others, we show them mercy, because, well, because in Christ Jesus we have already been forgiven. And we recognize our constant need for forgiveness. And because of that, we forgive others. Sometimes not naturally. Peter, the great hero of the faith, said to Jesus, Right, Lord, let's get this done. Pat, is it seven times? Is it 70 times? 
And Jesus said, Peter, mate, mm-hmm. 70 times said, You've been forgiven so much. We forgive because we've been forgiven and because we need forgiveness. And in the same way, we are merciful because we have been shown mercy and we need mercy. And the fact that we have been shown mercy leads to us showing mercy, which gives evidence that we will be shown mercy. That when God brings us before the judgment throne one day when he returns, he will look at us and and he will not accuse us, but he will go, I love you so much. I was hungry and you gave me some food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink of water. I was naked and you gave me some clothes to wear. Jesus tells the story and the people in the story look at the king and they go, Look at God and go, well, we don't remember this, God. When did we see you naked or hungry or thirsty? And and God says to them, well, what you did for the least of, of these brothers and sisters of mine, children of mine, you did for me. And then he says, come on in and share my joy. You see, we don't, we don't get to be with God forever because we are merciful. But we are merciful because God has shown mercy to us. And God, in turn, looks at that and goes, you know what? I love that you've shown such mercy. Come, let me be merciful to you now. Come in. Come in and be with me forever. James 2 verse 13 does say that judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who hasn't been merciful. Let me make this doubly clear. Salvation is not by mercy. Because I know quite a few Christians who are not merciful with me at the head of the line. At times we're merciful, at times we're not. God's mercy comes to us first. Showing mercy is not a prerequisite for being saved, but it is a sign that we have been shown mercy and so that we will and so we will be shown it we find mercy not because we've earned it we find mercy because to receive mercy involves coming to god saying god i need it if we've really known the vastness of god's forgiveness then we are free to forgive others to show them mercy So what does it all mean for me? What do I do? And and we've said this every week now for the last four or five weeks that the Beatitudes is a difficult thing to preach on. Because I believe that Jesus isn't here going, right, if you're Christians, you better tick off these boxes. In fact, that's exactly what he's not saying. If you're ticking off boxes, you've missed the point. If you're a box ticker, you're not going to be a merciful person because box ticking involves just doing the right thing. Mercy involves, you know... Doing the right thing, but, but reaching out in love as well. So what does it mean for me? Uh, if you've got your Bibles, just quickly turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse uh, 17. It says over here, If someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, 
How can God's love be in that person? In other words, how can God's love be in someone if they refuse to be merciful to others? When we see someone being merciful, it is a sign that God is a living in them. And yes, we are still sinners and that's imperfect. I, I don't know if you guys saw uh, in the news in the last few weeks about the shooting of the church in America. Has anyone seen the preliminary hearing on the TV? It's on YouTube. It's interesting watching. Um, there's, I don't know how the justice system in America works if they allow this, but there's a video link with the guy who did the shootings who shot all these people in the church. The judge is speaking about what's happening next, court dates. Then he allows the families to get up and address via video link the person who shot their friends and their families. And they get up and they go, you are welcome to join us in our Wednesday Bible study class, we forgive you. You took something very precious from us. And we're going to struggle with that. But Jesus said to forgive you, and so we forgive you. I guarantee that there will be days when they will hate that person. But they are making a conscious choice to be merciful. And they're doing it because they know that God has been merciful to them. Can I guarantee you that those people who spoke and said we forgive you are all Christians? I can't do that. God knows their, their status before him. But, but I can look at them and go, that to me is a huge signpost that they trust Jesus. That to me is a huge signpost that they know that they have been shown mercy, that they have been shown grace. And although the emotional cost on them is huge, they are willing to show it to others. So the question is, does Jesus' description match my life? Am I merciful? Or am I hard on the wretched? On the backsliders, am I merciful or am I judgmental? On the fallen, am I merciful or am I harsh? On those going through hard times, am I merciful or am I judgmental again? If I refuse to be merciful, I've never really understood the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. And yes, mercy can be hard and yes, it comes at great personal cost. And yes, it's not something I can manufacture of my own. But to show mercy speaks of knowing myself to be spiritually poor, a wretch who doesn't deserve God's kindness towards me and yet who knows that God has been kind towards me. Who knows that my position and status before God is so secure that I don't have to cling on to it. Who, who wants this world to be the way God wants it to be. And so I'm willing to give up my rights so that you can experience a little bit of that. Uh, I read, I forget where I read it. Um, the historian Rodney Stark says this. 
in the midst of the squalor, misery, illness, and anonymity of the ancient cities, Christianity provided an island of mercy and security. It started with Jesus. In contrast, in the pagan world, and especially among the philosophers, mercy was regarded as a character defect, and pity as a pathological emotion, because mercy involves providing unearned help or relief. It is contrary to justice. Thus, humans must learn to curb the impulse to show mercy. This is what they taught. The cry of the undeserving for mercy must go unanswered. Showing mercy was a defect of character, unworthy of the wise, and excusable only in those who have not yet grown up. And into that world, Jesus sits down on a mountain and says, God approves of it when you show mercy. This so-called character defect in God is our only hope. And I pray that so far from growing out of it, that God by His Spirit would grow us into ever more merciful people. That as we experience His little mercies day by day and as we experience His great mercy of saving us, that instead of being judgmental and harsh and holding on to my rights and punishing you, that I would show mercy. Even if it costs. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. May God grow us to be more like this, to be more like Him. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord give you his joy and his peace. May the Lord give you his kingdom. May the Lord comfort you. May the Lord satisfy you. May the Lord God be merciful towards you. Amen.